0: Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. I hope you're all doing very well. This is episode number 91 and we are just getting ready to head to Italy for uh, our last workshop of 2023 in Verona with the guys at Magnitudo Training. So I can't wait for that. I'm interested to see how uh, how well my voice, my my accent is uh, will be interpreted by those guys over there. But I'm going to try and speak as clearly as I can. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to Venice for a couple of days. First, flights were kind of scarce in terms of this time of year. So we had to go a couple of days earlier than um, than planned, but we were making the most out of that because we're going to go to Venice for a couple of days. Then we're going to go to Verona for the workshop, and then we're going to fly home from Milan. So that's going to be a nice few days, and uh, that will round up our workshops for 2023 and probably for a lot of 2024. To be honest, I don't have any planned in the pipeline just yet. I know people have been asking, but Let us see what happens in that regard. Maybe some local ones. Maybe if we can get our gym sorted, we'll have one in our own place in Waterford. Maybe we'll go to London if we can find a venue there. Maybe we'll go to Dublin or the north north of Ireland or something and and stay relatively local. So um, I have a great guest for you guys today. I have Stephen Sayoun. Steve, I hope I am pronouncing your last name pretty okay. Um, Steven, I met Steve in February at one of our workshops actually in Sydney with two workshops there, and I was very impressed by him. Just super nice guy, um, smart guy and just no ego, just came and just wanted to learn. And we get a lot of people like that. But the thing I guess the thing that impressed me the most has been what he's done with the info since then and his growth and all that since then. And whenever I talk about like, oh, It's been great to watch someone grow. I really don't want ever want people to think that I'm taking credit for that. And I'm saying explicitly now that I'm not. I mean, it's just been great to watch someone that comes to a workshop, is really eager to learn, or comes to, does anything, I guess, does any kind of learning and is eager and doesn't actually take my word for it. So Steve hasn't like just said, okay, here's what Dave says, this is what the best things are, and that must be the case he went and he just implemented stuff and he tried stuff and he didn't wait for everything to be perfect and to have every exact perfect cue or every exact knowledge of like, okay, here's the best progression, blah, 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 blah. He was like, okay, I have enough info now. I have some good info and I'm going to implement it in my body and my client's bodies. And tweak things and play around and find what works for best for me and my clients and go from there. And that's what he's done. He's dived headfirst into it. And it's been honestly an absolute pleasure to watch that uh, evolution. And then he just makes it, or he and you or whoever makes it your own. I Maybe I I don't agree with what David said about this, this and this, uh, because that's not working for me, but I do like this, this and this. So you just you just find what works best for you but the only way you can do that is do what steve did and actually and actually dive into it don't wait for things to be perfect and that's why i admire him so much and it's also been great to uh see his growth on the business side of it he works with predominantly combat sports athletes and there's there's a niche for everyone and everything um presuming that you do good work a lot of people that try and carve out a niche and then say that niche isn't good enough or that niche isn't big enough or that niche is hard to fulfill usually it's because they're not doing good enough work and Steve is really making a really good name for himself and that comes back to doing really good work so that's been brilliant to, to watch uh, we spoke about mobility we spoke about fighting tension with tension, spoke a lot about that kind of stuff, because that's been a big part of both his and my journey in terms of our own bodies, just struggling, trying to open up space, open up mobility, and to be honest, getting worse a lot of the time, because you don't understand. We don't. We didn't understand that concept, fighting tension to attention that I talk about all of the time. Uh, so we had a lot, lot of conversation about that. We spoke about hip flexors and hinging and all of this stuff. Uh, compression, expansion, a little bit. We spoke about just long term plans for ourselves, our businesses online all that stuff and we even spoke a bit about personal finance at the end which i didn't think either of us expected to i don't think either of us expected to get into but we did and that is the beauty of having conversations with good people so uh, i think you'll enjoy the podcast if you do give it a share for us make sure you give steve a follow online uh the links will be in the show notes or whatever uh maybe if kira puts them there but if not i'm sure you'll find them um and yeah apart from that i hope you enjoy the podcast give us some feedback and um yeah enjoy Okay, Steve. Thanks for joining me. Uh, do you want to give the the people who don't know you a little bit of a, a background? I guess how yeah, even like how you ended up chatting to me at this stage. That would be nice to give who you are and what you're up okay. to. So my name's Stephen
1: Sayun. Um, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I work with combat sport athletes all around the world. Uh, been in the fitness industries now for about fifteen years. Um, how I met you, David, was uh, I stumbled across your your Instagram page through Angus Bradley, believe it or not. And um,
0: shout out to Angus. The
1: whole compression <laughs> expansion, um, gate cycle stuff got me intrigued. And then I purchased your low body basics program. I was like, what's all this hype about? I need to, I need to check it out. And I started doing the, you know, the 90-90 knee rolls and I was going through the program and I was like, I'll be honest, Dave. Don't don't get the shits. I was like, "What's this shit gonna do for me?" Like, it's it's I'm fucking falling asleep doing these knee rolls. How's this gonna hit, help my hip mobility? I kid you not.
0: I, yeah, but I bet you you couldn't fucking do it. No, I was way.
1: terrible. I couldn't. I could not move <laughs> or shift my hips at all. And I was getting frustrated with it. Anyway, I stuck with it, and the next day I woke up. I was like, "Hold on a minute. I I feel different here. What's going on?" And then I did it again and I repeated the process over and over. I go, all right, now I'm hooked. This guy's onto something <laughs> because I've <laughs> tried every fucking mobility program under the sun. And being stiff and, stiff and compressed like I am, I couldn't get any any change in the way that I felt. Um, especially taking up combat sports. So that's how I got into you. And then did your course, met you, it was fantastic. And now I'm on the DGR website. And i like to be honest, there's not many people I wouldn't say like but look up to in the industry um, that have really kind of shaped, not shaped, but changed my my thought process when it came to coaching. Um, and you've been a big influence um, into the way that I, you know, coach my athletes and work them through movement. Um, it's definitely had a massive change in my career. So. Thanks to you, Dave.
0: I I, I, I wasn't expecting an intro uh, <laughs> where you big me up. <laughs> no, <laughs> More so where you... Are you, um...
1: you Go got to give sorry. credit when credit's due, right? Like you can't... You know, a, a lot of the stuff that I have learned, um, the the way that you explain it is easily to digest uh, opposed to if you listen to Bill Hartman or, you know, you can listen to, to other guys out there and... I don't know what the fuck they're talking about half the time, and and I'm a simple person. I'm not someone that that Me comes too. from a, a highly educational background. I dropped out of school young, and all I know is is my job, what I'm doing now, and and that's basically it. So, yeah, it's been it's been a good roller coaster.
0: You know, you know what we suffer like my stuff, our work. A lot of people talk about placebo um as in like okay i'm in pain or i'm very stiff and the pain science type of people will often talk about like okay they just got better because of placebo like they really wanted it to get them better and stuff like that and actually like they really trusted you and they really did this and that and that can definitely be the case i'm not claiming that that's not the case like that's 100% can be the case but I think our work suffers from the opposite of that. People actually expect it to not work. It's not like they're expect, going in expecting this rub to fix them. They're doing the work and they're like, why the fuck would this help me? And it's almost like we have to prove it in the opposite way, which is like, you think it's not going to work and it does work rather than other people. other people's work is like, they expect it to work and then it still doesn't work so that's something i think about all the time and i do think about buy-in with our programs and stuff and i know it's a bit can be a bit different in the beginning but as you've seen and i've seen you like apply a lot of the work and obviously make it your own and all this stuff but you've seen that all of that just spills into just really good movement really good strength training it's not like we're just keeping people lying on the floor forever or anything like that definitely
1: and i think it's um People can get kind of confused with; they look at it as a very fragile approach towards training, where it's actually not, and it's not all you do. You may only show uh, little glimpses of of what you do with with early stages of you know individuals who may be suffering with certain issues, but the progression and the way that you do it is definitely not fragile at all. You're getting guys, you know, leaving the ground at, at bloody high velocities and making collisions with the ground that you know, most strength and conditioning coaches struggle to wrap their head around. So I think mm-hmm. it, it's really good. The concepts are there. It's not – it doesn't just stop at rehab. It kind of goes from rehab, return to sport, to performance, and and that's what you do yeah. a great job of. Um, and I think <clears throat> a lot of coaches should I, – I think personally, from my experience working with strength and conditioning coaches and me actually being the client um, – injured myself and and working with the combat sport athletes who have worked with high-level S&C coaches, I feel like they do miss the boat from a movement perspective um, and actually looking in on movement with a different lens. Um, Everything is so rigid, everyone's so focused on strength and and power development, but they're not really addressing the lowest hanging fruit on on what's actually presented in front of them. Um, If someone can't hinge properly and instead of getting them to do an rdl they would just swap it out for a trap bar deadlift because this person can't hinge but in reality why can't they hinge why don't you sit there and go okay well why don't we fix that and why don't we try to address those limitations and then that's definitely going to have some sort of positive transfer into the way that they move
0: yeah yeah and I think the reason they like why they don't do that is because the only way they can, or the only way they feel like they can measure progress is by weight on the bar. And it can be an insecurity thing as well with a lot of coaches where they think their client really cares about lifting more weight. And their clients do. Clients want to feel like they're getting stronger and stuff like that. But I think coaches get confused. That's not ultimately what their clients want unless they're a powerlifter or a weightlifter. They do want to feel like they're getting stronger, but ultimately they just want to feel like they're getting better, like they're being challenged. And if you take that approach to something, you can challenge someone in a million different ways that isn't just putting more weight on the bar. And actually it means you can take a step back and challenge their movement in different ways. So you don't have to just say, right, they can't do a hinge in this way. I'm going to give them a trap bar deadlift. I had a client down with me the other day who had a, he he had a, shin splints he had a hip labral tear and he had a lot of right lower back issues when he came to me about 18 months ago we've cleaned all that up he's played two years ago he's played two injury free seasons since then and we did a we did a straight bar deadlift from the floor for the first time it's the first time he's done it in two years and he could not believe how it felt versus how it felt when he was doing it before it was just like he was feeling like the pinch in his hip before his labrum was was just getting so angry his lower back and when you start to learn like how we push through the floor you can understand why if you can't use your hips you're going to use your your back mm-hmm. a lot to create that down force. and he could just feel his his hips doing so much of the work as in his posterior hip his glutes doing a lot of the work and his spine was staying pretty long and pretty quiet and it's just a project of teaching him to do that over two years and i spent two years not needing to deadlift him uh but he kept getting better and his, the, his goal was can i move better and can i play my sport which means to me i'll do whatever it takes to help you do that and lifting weight may or may not be part of that or lifting a lot of weight may or may not be part yeah, of that in the short term medium term and long term
1: definitely you know i It's the same with working with combat sport athletes. There's a fine line where you don't want to, let's say, cook these guys to a certain degree where they're too compressed and they can't move. And not everyone needs to, you know, lift copious amounts of weight in order to, you know, improve um, one physical quality, let's say, strength. Uh, There's many other ways to do that. And I think that's definitely opened up my eyes and changed the – my approach when it does come to strength and conditioning is just getting these guys to move better, so that they can express their skills at a better level. And yeah, you definitely don't want to go down that dark road. And just going back to that deadlift off the ground with that individual you're talking about, there was a stage where I couldn't I couldn't achieve a good uh, setup position from with a conventional deadlift off the floor, and. I had started creating a lot of space at the back of the hip with a lot of kickstand hinges. Um, I still do them religiously now. And I could tell you now I could pick up a weight off the ground like I've ne- never had before. It feels amazing to have that free exactly. <laughs> freedom there. And my hip flexion, um, you know, has improved dramatically. And there's just one thing that I watched on the DGR website not long ago was when you said the right hip will naturally sit slightly higher there maybe. maybe
0: Well, yeah i can it can a lot of the time we get can. a lot of right
1: hip issues with with that site and i was like that is me to a t did a few of those drills and i tell you what i haven't done any mobility drills for the last well let's say extreme ranges of motion in the last year and neither with my clients mm-hmm. or athletes and we're getting great results
0: mm-hmm the you know what i love i love that you just say that you can deadlift from the floor and feel better and you're probably stronger as a result of that and that's to me that's like that's amazing for me to hear like here i get a little kind of chills when i hear that because that's coming from a strength coach who was strong before you are very strong so, you know, a lot of people just say you're, you're just not strong enough in a position. No, I just can't fucking get into the position. So I don't have the space, number one. And then a lot of people will say, well, you just need to do more uh, progressive, like, okay, maybe start a bit higher in the, in the hinge and work down. Great idea. But if you're still not creating space, even when you're higher, that's not going to change anything and then other people will say you just need to do more isolated mobility work work on your hip flexion work on your internal rotation but the way they do it still doesn't create space so we like the stuff that you did that you learned from me that actually was more like regular that's more like training than a lot of these other people the things that they're doing and So we can keep you training, we can keep you, but we actually teach you to open up space. And then when you go back to these positions that you couldn't access before, you're able to get into them. You're stronger there because you feel better and you don't end up feeling like shit after doing them as well. It's a win-win.
1: And that's the thing. It's like, this will be be the usual recipe, Dave. Someone can't get into, let's say, a deep hip flex position with a, a conventional stance deadlift. Okay. We need to strengthen your hip flexes. Right, so what we're going to yeah, what we're going to do is get you in a supine position with a band around your feet, and we're going to get you doing psoas marches and isometric holds. Then we're going to get you progressing on your feet doing half kneeling and standing variations, and then we're going to get get you to do some Copenhagen's, and then we might get you doing some femoral internal rotation and and things like that. Right, and that's. And that's usually the rest. And then it'll be like, all right, Once you've done that, we're now going to do pause reps in the position that you can't get into, and we're going to load the shit out of it. <laughs> and that—that's what I did for years. And that's what we—that's all we knew, though. That's all we knew at the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, early on in my career, that's all I did. I was snatch grip um, deadlifting 180 kilos with no wraps at, at 80 kilos body weight off a deficit. Um, yeah. And. The, I'm pretty sure a lot of the the way that I used to train led me down to how I feel or how I felt um, up until I ruptured mm-hmm. my Achilles so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty hot in here I've got to put the air con
0: you know you, <laughs> <It's Quinza. laughs> you know on the you know on the hip flexor stuff is I haven't spoken too much about this. I, I, I do have these conversations. I did have this conversation with someone in New York. Uh, shout out to Jason in New York where, because I could get into a slightly deeper level around this when we, I was trying to teach him to do a hinge. In the gym, if you are going into a hinge position or you're going down into a squat position, your hip flexor, this is obvious now what I mean but your hip flexor isn't pulling you down into it. If you fold into a hinge, if you're using your hip flexor and people can even like, if they wanted to stand up and feel like that crease at the front of their hip, you try and pull yourself down using those muscles into a hinge, you won't feel any stretch at the back of your hip at all. You're fighting tension with tension. You're pulling yourself down and you're using your abs and your hip flexors. What brings you down into the hinge is gravity. It's just let your body fold into that position don't pull yourself down into that position so all this hip flexor strengthening work i'm not and again i'm not saying that hip flexor strengthening is wrong or bad or anything like that but if you're using it to try and open up like hip impingements or something like that it just it just doesn't make sense you're fighting tension with tension you end up more tight everywhere you need to open up the back of the hip now if it's a sprinter of course i'm sprinting forward in space and i need to have a strong hip flexor because my knee is actually coming up mm-hmm. in that space in, in that position because that's open chain mm-hmm. movement closed chain movement you're not pulling your knee up your body is coming down so you do not need to think about using the hip flexors to pull yourself into them you actually need them to be as quiet as possible the more tense they are the less you'll open up the glutes. that's a great point there you go and i that's a little something i bet like even for you tomorrow when you're in the gym or something do your kickstand hinges or do whatever hinges but just be able to have your hands on the front so don't use weight just so you can Mm. feel it and as you fold down just try and see how soft you can keep the hip flexor area and the lower abs and stuff and feel how much more stretch you get at the back of the hip when you like play around with tensing it up and then letting it go, the hip flexors, and I bet you'll feel way better at the back of the hip when you have no tension. So that's how whatsoever. I've
1: been doing it, and I've I've noticed a massive improvement. And actually, just isometrics and breathing. Um, obviously, I've been delving into a lot of Pat Davidson's work and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was good. It's kind of stuff that we already already learned um, in the past on on some on your course and stuff like that. And it just solidified what what I kind of knew. And I see – I can see archetypes now working with multiple different combat sport athletes. And you can genuinely see these patterns where, um, you know, you've got your typical narrow ISA who really struggles with hinging. And and I can – I mean, I'm – I don't want to name names, but I'm working with a very high-level UFC athlete who, um, you know, when we first started working together, I took him through an assessment, a simple toe-touch assessment, and he was nowhere near his touching his toes. And mm-hmm. I looked at the program, and I looked at him, and I was like, this is the program. This is the athlete standing in front of you. The two don't match. There's, there's no yeah. way this program is going gonna, is gonna to help this individual at all. And I said, basically, the conversation came about. um, So, how were you feeling doing this kind of training? I always felt beat up. My back was sore. And I said, So, what did they do when, what did the coach do when you explained to them that your back was sore? He said, Oh, just put me in a trap bar deadlift. And if that was still sore, they got me into Bulgarian split squats. And I was like, Okay, cool. Did anyone ever look at the way that you hinged or tried to improve the way that you moved from a movement perspective? And he said, No, not at all. So we've been mm-hmm. together now for like working together now for six or seven weeks now, and he's touching his toes and guess what we didn't do we didn't do any you know supine banded hip flexor work or anything like that we we just created space where it was where it needed to be, and he's now mm-hmm. able to touch his toes, and he's feeling a lot more athletic because now he can he can awesome. load into that that mid stance, like he can get into that positive shin angle, and he can create some force there, because as you know, with wrestlers, they spend most of their time in that mid stance, max propulsion in that hip flex position. Um, yeah, and I I don't want to go down the deep dark rabbit hole of the whole other stuff You're good. But, You're good. but then whatever rabbit <laughs> hole you want and then you know when you talk about that the whole foot pronation thing it's his weight was so far shifted back on his heels you can see how supinated his feet were they, they can't change shape and um yeah we spent a lot of time just really trying to get him to load more into his midfoot and things like yeah. that
0: yeah and like the what you're saying about the, the what the coaches did was a good idea in, in terms of like short term like okay you can't okay your deadlift is making your back feel like shit let's try a trap bar deadlift your trap bar deadlift isn't working let's try a bulgarian split squat like that's not a bad thought process a worse thought process is you can't your your, your straight bar deadlift feels like shit okay just keep fucking doing it that's a terrible thought process right because he makes his money doing other things that, and he needs to feel good for. So or, uh, well, he's never going to feel that good probably doing the sport he's doing, but be- he doesn't need to feel like shit from the gym. But that thought process only serves you for a certain amount of time. Cause if you ever work with, uh, I know you do, but if anyone ever works with older athletes, because that they've continued with that thought process for years and years and years they're left with like four things that they can do in the <laughs> gym that still feel okay for, for them you know so you keep saying oh you can't do this one let's give you this one you can't do this one let's give you that one but that ends up with you just having very limited movement in your body and movements that you can do in the gym so a, Definitely, let's keep you loaded by doing a Bulgarian split squat. But why not look at how you're actually doing a hinge or whatever the hell it is at the same time and make some changes there, so that that option is a, becomes available to us again.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I'm actually fascinated with it, Dave. Like I getting people because you're yeah. a coach,
0: because you're curious. Yeah, I,
1: like I, movement to me, I, I look at it and I go, why does that work the way it does? And then and then I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't fully understand it. I don't grasp it. Well enough, maybe I need to go back and read more about it and apply it and try it myself. Um, I almost find it more fascinating than I find it boring going through, you know, strength power, you know, writing programs, it's easy. I have a system, I have a recipe, it works, fantastic. Mm -hmm. But when someone comes to me with a problem and says, Steve, you know, like I've got, you know, I've got a grade two tear in my MCL and and I'm moving like shit, I'm in pain all the time, I I really find that challenging. Even though I'm not a physio, I, I never step outside of my zone or my scope of skill, but I find it extremely rewarding to get this individual back to 100 percent health um and and mm-hmm. thriving in their sport um you know and it's always that's why i kind of like working with combat sport athletes is because majority of the time they're all broken and i've i've been yeah. broken a lot too and i've just always wanted to find better solutions to get better results
0: yeah but that's that's what setting you apart like that's why people like that UFC fighter is coming to you because anyone can write a program and I just had a conversation with uh Pete Performance he's a GA SNC in Ireland uh yesterday we had a podcast so I think that that one will probably be up by the time people are listening to this but Pete said very something very similar which was like when he's looking at people sprinting he used to just kind of you know I'll give you the drills that I think should work and then off you go and then I'll just that box is kind of ticked and now here's the next thing and now he's starting to because his coach's eye is getting more refined and he's just improving as a coach which hopefully everyone is we all are trying to like he's not happy to just say okay I've ticked that box he's actually milking out that drill or milking out that position and actually making improvements rather than just kind of just putting it in there and then saying right let 's move on to the next thing, yeah you know that's what's going to make your and that's what is making you Steve very valuable to people and that 's how you set yourself apart as someone who can actually solve problems rather than just one of the million other coaches that could just write a program
1: definitely and i I thanks for that Dave I appreciate it, but yeah it's it, honestly i wouldn't i wouldn 't just do it for the sake of it, I actually enjoy it to the point that Every night I'm like when I get a spare, you know, ten, fifteen minutes when my son's asleep or something like that, I'm I'm always because I don't feel like I'm good enough. That's one thing. I always feel like I could be better. There's smarter people out there than me. And I really want to be as best as I can be, you know, and I'm like 37 Mm -hmm. now, I'm like I feel like I've been reborn again in my coaching career where I was getting stale. And when I'm not learning or I'm not you know, taking up a, a new course or or learning a new concept, I, I kind of feel stale and I feel out of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what really drives me um is the whole learning and then applying the learning that that you know you've spent months on and drilling and doing it yourself and giving it to your clients and it's great. So yeah.
0: That's awesome, man so good that like that curiosity the the this should be an exciting job i know there's mundane parts of the job and there's shit parts of the job but ultimately when you're looking at movement it should be seen as a puzzle that it's not a there's it's not a right or a wrong you're just trying to figure out a puzzle and understand what the person in front of you is doing and then you can make changes you can make tweaks it, you you can play around with stuff obviously in a re- respectful way and when people stop being excited working mm-hmm. in this industry one either they're overworked or they're working with the wrong people or they're not making enough money all of those things but a lot of that comes back to they lost their curiosity when they they, they look at people they've completely lost it because they just view them as okay okay uh, push pull uh hinge, squat, whatever. And I'm just going to, how do I just add weight? What a way to just completely get fall out of love with this thing when you just view movement as that. And when you start to view it as a puzzle that we can start to tweak and change and use weights. And all these movements are opportunities to open up space and variability. And then I also need to think about how the athlete is thinking and feeling and all of these things, that's a puzzle that that should be exciting. That should be Definitely. exciting.
1: And, and everyone, like I, not everyone, but I've had a few people reach out to me and, and say, you know, like, where did you learn from? I want to learn these concepts. Um, and I've had them booking for consultations and it was like they were looking for answers, for answers and an easy way to, to, to set up or work with combat sport athletes and yeah and I said to her, I said you, well, number one you can't fake passion and curiosity you you have to have some form of us even with Brandon I was speaking to Brandon about this and um we, <laughs> I think we're the only wogs in the industry that <laughs> that um are really passionate about um you know movement and strength and conditioning and we were, were having a joke about it but um you know that little bit of passion. He's Italian, and I'm like, you got to sprinkle that parmesan on the pasta. You know, you've got to you've got to, <laughs> you've got to have that flair and that and that. Um, you know, I think curiosity leads to becoming a really good coach. And how did yeah. what I want to I ask you, so, what, yeah. like, what made you so curious about it, Dave? Like, <sighs>
0: um, I don't know. It was just a. I, I, I just was. I just was fucked like i just my body was just a mess that's what it was i just was a complete mess um i was getting to a stage where i was making very very rapid i was a very late bloomer in terms of playing football i probably when i was like 19 i started to get a little better and then i started to train seriously mostly in terms of like my skills Uh, with the football and stuff like that I had missed a lot of basic skills our basics were okay but like I was missing some a lot of skills and I I started to improve rapidly like super rapidly Uh, I was never the best player in Ireland or anything far from it but I think my improvements were from where I started to where I got to were uh, as fast or as faster than anyone else maybe in the country at that stage I went from like really poor kicking and all this stuff to basically like being the free taker for our team and, and, and a lot of things like this just through sheer practice and then the, I went to the gym and that started to help and all of these things just compounded together and then I got injured and that just like sucked the life out of me and then I couldn't get help so I just started to get curious and stayed curious and I'm still curious and I'm still trying to figure that out and when you talk about you and Brandon, like you and brandon brandon was at our our seminar in melbourne and you were at sydney and one thing that stands out from the two of you guys and some other people as well and you'll notice in our workshops that they're full of like really good people just mostly number one they're just nice people uh who are curious happy to chat no massive egos and like when i look at you when i look at brandon both of you were curious, were enthusiastic, were like asking questions, just having a chat, not afraid to get involved. And then since then, and I don't just mean with my work, I mean with like just curious in general with, with others as well, of course. Uh, but since then, you've just gone and applied it straight away. Like, I'm going to apply this, not wait for it to be perfect or not wait for me to know every single thing. I'm just going to fucking mm-hmm. start and figure it out. And where i've seen the two of you get to with your business even since february and i can only really reference since february because i know you guys since february and again i'm not saying it's because of me or anything like that i'm just saying you fucking took a body of work and we're like i'm gonna go with this and i'm gonna go and podcast and i'm gonna go and uh, put out my thoughts on instagram and all this and you've you've as far as i can see the growth that both of you have had since february has been phenomenal and i it's just Really, really amazing for me to see that happen. I
1: appreciate it, mate. It's been – yeah, it was definitely a, a great moment. And um, I guess really when you're around – I think this industry, when you find certain people um, who are like you have very similar values um, and morals yeah. when it comes to coaching – it's almost like um, a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, man, I'm not the only one who really thinks about this and, and wants to know more about these concepts. And and Brendan and I and and uh, have had some great chats about, you know, business and uh, running seminars and, and things like that, and he's really good to talk to about it and gave me some great pointers um, for myself uh, about running workshops and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's – I, I worked in a commercial uh, gym, very uh, very close to Angus, around the corner from Angus, and um, ah. that's how we know. That's how we uh, knew each other. I worked at,
0: in, yeah, in the, the city, the, in the
1: CBD. I was working in Bond Street. I made I made a shit ton of money there. That's I made a lot of money. <laughs> I trained a lot of a lot of guys in finance. I only worked with men, um, and it was great. and I'd sit there and I'd try to speak to other trainers about these thoughts and about you know like your craft and it was they're just like bro what the f- like what the fuck are you talking about and I and I was <laughs> like oh, man these this shit like it was like and then you got stale because no one you were like in that mm-hmm. environment was really shit and I only really started to grow was when I transitioned online and I was like it's sink or swim here and you need to be you need to know your shit um, and. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, it's going online. Not not a hundred percent online well, at the moment. I am, but that definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone to go out and learn new skills, and new um, new mm-hmm. concepts, and connect with people who have very similar values to myself.
0: Hmm. Hmm. How has it? Uh, how has your online stuff been going? So you've been hammering social media and. Even podcasts, uh, yeah. how's all that yeah, going? On?
1: Really good. I, I took a lot of. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts along. Oh, I can't remember which episode it was. Um, but before that, I, when COVID happened um, when the gym shut down, I was like, "Fuck this! I need to. I need to make money. I've got a kid. I've got to put food on the table." I was like, "I'm just going to put." I, I said to myself, "I'm going to put a post out." Said this to my wife every single day for for twenty eight days straight. I'm going to put out a fucking post and I'd sit there and I'd fucking take me three hours to put a post together thinking about, it. and then then it just started to happen really easy because I got more interested in in certain concepts and things. And I was like, I'm just going to put out what I see valuable and, and what I think would be good content to me and what I'm interested in. And I just started attracting the right people and it started going well. Um, Online now has been great. I I still post every day. I before this podcast, I just drafted up a reel. Um, I had to get that done, or I would be stressing the whole time. We I was on this podcast, yeah. but yeah, it's just part of the job now. Where it's like, okay, you've you've got to give out, you've got to have good quality content and give out a lot of value. Um, online is taking off now. It, it's good, uh, definitely not as good as Low Body Basics, but. <laughs> We, uh, we hope to get there one day uh, with the combat sports scene. But, yeah. I've.
0: Uh, what, did, what did you learn when you first started posting every day?
1: Biggest thing I learned was it doesn't have to be perfect. In, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a bit of a perfectionist where it had to look a certain way. For, it was for me or I would get anxiety about it because I was a bit of a perfectionist. Then I was like, and I had to post at the exact time every day. And I was like, if it was one or two minutes over, I would start stressing. And then, now, <laughs> then I was, the only time, I, one thing I learned was you don't need to be so rigid with it.
0: No, you can't put yeah, that pressure you on can't. yourself.
1: And that was the biggest thing. Being, being rigid makes it more of a horrible job than it has to be in terms of, you know, it should mm-hmm. be enjoyment. And you putting out a bit of your own. It's like art in a way where you're expressing your thoughts um, into into videos and and talking. Um, but like that post you put out yesterday with Joel Seaman, that was that was a banger. That was a banger. I thought he was going to poke his eyes out with his thumbs when he went back. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For so, I had that po- I had that. I saw that box jump that he did weeks ago and i had it saved in my i just took a screenshot like and had it saved in my photos oh no i took a screen recording of it and i sat down to do that
1: but why did you screen record it what made you want to screen record that
0: because i just saw what he was doing and i was like he's not doing what he's saying he's doing he he, because i looked at the caption um and i saw that he had wrote deconstructed box jump and he talks about the isometric positions but When he goes to actually move, it's not isometric. As in, like, he still has to go... He still has to have this oscillation where he collects and then he goes. He had to collect some IR to use it. That's what he had to do. So he pauses at the top, pauses at the bottom. Uh, The naked eye would say, okay, he's just going to jump up. But no, he didn't. He had to actually go negative shin angle, positive shin angle. Collect it and use it again. And then push. So I just saw that and and I just said i might use that as a post someday so i just have in my notes like all the different things that i might talk about at some stage um which is not it's literally just a notes on my iphone and i just write whatever the hell is i'm thinking about and i might do it someday so i did that post it took me 20 minutes 30 minutes i actually might post today because i was doing a screen record loom screen recording of myself talking in the corner and yeah, I, I I try and mix it up. I try and mix it up as much as I can. Where it's like sometimes it's just like super digestible exercises. Here's three exercises for whatever. Then I'm trying to do an educational one. Then maybe I'll try and do a written one. A, a carousel mm-hmm. really just depends on how I feel. But uh, I actually might post a blooper today uh, because I was in the middle of talking about Joel, and um, next thing, so I have the video. Next thing, the a pop up of on my Apple. Uh, com- my, on my computer came up like with this pop-up apple preferences you have to click not now or later or something like this and i just went fuck's <laughs> sake it's fucking apple thing <laughs> so like i just it's just i think everyone can empathize with the life of oh, a content my. creator where shit just sometimes it's just it's just it's harder than it needs to be but i didn't think that post would do particularly well at all but it actually has done pretty well and now that i think about it like everyone kind of wants to have a little joy at joel so that's probably oh, why you
1: right. know i tell yeah i know i could totally relate to the, the whole blooper scene the amount of times i've tried to talk on my stories about a particular topic and halfway through i've gone what the fuck am i saying and just, yeah. just it's like, <laughs> a ten, so 10 takes later i finally get the one that i like and upload that one yeah. and it's yeah it's 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 a tough life. Like I've got a bloopers one with my wife where I um I wanted to talk about the kickstand hip hinge and how beneficial it was to create space at the back of the hip. And I'll 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 pull it up one day and I'll show you, I'll send it to you, you'll you'll have a good laugh. She put a lot of effort into editing it, but it was quite funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um but all that stuff, like all the the way you're saying there, like you, you try your story and you, you can't get the words out and stuff, that's all actually whether you realize it, I know you realize it, but whether some people realize it or not, it's all practice. It's all like, like if people, if you said to me four or five years ago that you'll be teaching sold out seminars all over the world, I would have said that was kind of my goal, like ish in terms of like, I always knew that I would love to be able to do that, but I wouldn't have thought it was particularly realistic that quickly. But it's all just compounding from, I can remember trying to do my first spoken video on Instagram where I was actually talking, not just me doing an exercise, but I was talking about a concept and I was so shit. And Akira was there with me. I know where I was. I was in my brother's house. They were gone away and I couldn't, it took me an hour to do a 10 second video. And that just compounds and all of those mess ups and all of those little podcasts that I've done and all that just helps you communicate your message better and people don't view it that way they view it as like this is if you were learning a language hopefully they wouldn't view the practicing the language as a failure they would view it as I'm getting better but when they view when they think about social media they think about I'm just shit not as in I'm getting better, you that's know. A,
1: that's a great way you put that, and that's why I started the podcast, Dave. Is I I naturally am a shit talker, and I know that, right? And and I don't come from a highly educated background. Like you can hear Angus Bradley; he can talk underwater. That guy is, he, dead <laughs> set. That guy is so well, like, well spoken, and he just boom gets it out really well. And like yourself, and even when you scroll back through all those instructional videos that you would have done with Kira, that's practice. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. you're just going off the cuff. Like you're just talking like you're teaching and it's all repetition in the bank. So we, with my podcast, I, I go back to, and um, I cringe. I cringe every time I hear myself speaking sometimes and I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? And it's, you know, <laughs> and it's, it, it is repetition and, You know, with me, I'm always I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it does come to things like that, and I do take myself a little bit too seriously. I think if you can learn to relax and just have fun with it, and life is so much more enjoyable, and business is better when you take yourself Mm -hmm. so
0: seriously. Hundred percent quantity in this in, in this in this regard with like podcasting, just speaking instagram posts learning to articulate your message quantity leads to quality in that regard you have to be looking for quality you definitely have to be looking for quality but you can't let the quality not being amazing hold you back from putting stuff out there because you won't get better uh so i'm a big fan of like just early on and the great thing is when you're when you're smaller and you're just starting out not that many people are following anyway and not that many people are taking notice so that's your time to get your quantity in now, as you get bigger, as you like, your account is getting bigger, my account is getting bigger, you have to be a bit more careful with what you're saying and how you're saying it, which, like, five years ago, I wasn't thinking like that. I'm going to say whatever the fuck. I still kind of say whatever the fuck I want, but I have to be a bit more intricate with you Yeah, I,
1: I, so. I, I did take a note out of your book, how you said, uh, don't be a dickhead. And mm. there's stuff <laughs> on social media that really grinds my gears, like grinds it to the point that I I want to say something and I would have a couple of months ago or 3 months ago but now I just don't I just don't bother with it because you know you like you said you do have a bit of a bigger following and you you're trying to lead by example and you don't want to like like the nice Joel Seedman post it's very nice it was a, it was a nice way to to put things into context how he was doing mm. a double knee bend um in order to to generate force um pretty much what you see in olympic lifting or and things like that
0: mm-hmm. um, i was worried i was still even worried it was like oh i don't want to fucking this cause an argument now you know whereas i think other people actively go and want that to, that drama to happen and it is it is 100% that would be better if i was more aggressive with that it would be better for engagement it but doesn't
1: it lead to business re- it doesn't lead
0: and it would wreck my head because I would end up today, like there would still be an argument going on in that post. And yeah, it's brilliant for engagement, but I would be checking it and I would be thinking, oh, this fella's saying this, I need to say this. And that's just, that just doesn't work for me. For me, at least it doesn't work. It really this does. will
1: probably make you feel better. I, um, I posted a real, um, it was a bit corny, but I thought people might, might see value in it. I, I thought, you know, I wanted to share it. It was four exercises. I wish I started earlier in life. It was a short, it was a slouching split squat, the short stance one, uh, some grip work, and and a few other things. The amount of fucking abuse that I copped on Facebook, <laughs> like people are on Facebook, yeah, because it links from Instagram to Facebook, right? Mm. I'm reading these comments, and I'm like, showing my wife, I go, look at this mother. Like, and I was, I was, she goes, like, why do you care? They're nobody. Like, just, just let it go. And they're like, you're going to damage your back doing your short stance, split squat. What an idiot. People are just getting desperate. And I was, it's just a lot of flack. And I just laugh now because it, it's not my audience who I'm trying to att- attract. And sometimes the algorithm mm-hmm. puts your stuff in front of the wrong audience. And and that's mm-hmm. what kind of happens.
0: Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? Like it's easy to say this person is just a uh, no one, Dave. But they have still fucking yeah, come but at do you, know why,
1: Dave? Because if that fucking little pencil neck was standing in front of me <laughs> and he said that to me, <laughs> fucking eye to eye, I'd, I'd strangle him. And I'm pretty sure you'd do mm-hmm. the same with half these pe- these little mm-hmm. keyboard warriors. And
0: mm-hmm. or you wouldn't even have to because they exactly. wouldn't say it. And and or even if they did, even if you didn't strangle them, you'd be able to just say you're an idiot like i I could out talk you i could out everything yeah. you but yeah you're not <laughs> able to then when they say it all. <laughs>
1: that's why i do combat sports and let it out yeah you gotta let out something you need something mm-hmm. how's your bjj going mm-hmm.
0: uh yeah it's going pretty well it's going pretty well see fucking just to travel is a mess like yeah i i think especially when you're probably at any stage but especially when you're new to a sport like we just came back from america so I was 12 days, I was probably like two, maybe two and a half weeks without training, uh, because I didn't train for a couple of days beforehand, because I was like, okay, if I tear my cruciate here, uh, these workshops are off, so, uh, and then a couple of days afterwards, you just feel like you're smashed and stuff, so just constantly having two weeks off, one week off every month just doesn't mean you're learning things that well you know so it's good though i'm just fucking i feel like i'm too cautious with it in some ways to really get better fast because i'm not stubborn enough with positions i'm like oh you really want to sweep me like okay off you go but that's (laughs) smart dave
1: i'll tell you why
0: maybe maybe i don't
1: know look we I'm 37 now and it, after rupturing my Achilles, the anxiety every time I step on the mat, it just fucking riddles me with anxiety. But once I get through mm-hmm. the session, the endorphins and, and it's worth it. But that's um with BJJ, if I'm in a position that I'm not comfortable in and there's force being applied to my body, I go with it. I never resist it. If yeah. someone grabs my leg, I don't even try to spin out of it. I just watch what they do and I move with them and then I'll just go, all right, tap, no worries. And then yeah. it, it's important. I'm exactly like you. I am not. I don't progress really fast in the sport um, because I don't spend enough time with BJJ. It's different to freestyle wrestling where you can learn how to hand fight, uh, work on entries, work on your penetration step on grabbing a single leg. It, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more physical. But the skill set is a mm-hmm. lot easier with BJJ. It,
0: fe- it feels more natural, Steve. Yes, wrestling, like as in, you could wrestle when you were three years of yeah. age. Doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. But BJJ is so much technical it's a sport, stuff,
1: right? And it, like, as in, it's mm. it's a with freestyle wrestling, it's very primal. It's like it's like mm. punching, kicking, and and wrestling. I, I speak to Corey Sanhagen about this, and um, he's like, man, BJJ is fucking gay, and I'm like. I'm. I get frustrated with it too because I'm like, how's this little p- pencil? How's he on top of me now? Like how? And and I just yeah. fucking like hip thrust him off, and and then he's on top of me again, and then and then he's got me in a bloody triangle. But on the feet, like obviously, I'm just a pretty mediocre wrestler. Like with you, I can relate to your situation with work and having a family. You don't get the consistency in, and you've got other priorities mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, it, it is a. Uh, I I, it is a good sport. It is rewarding, and and one thing I will say is, Mm -hmm. don't try to resist certain positions you're you're not comfortable in, and that's how shit goes wrong. Yeah. Even you know, like if you look at the positions, if you're on your backing guard, it's all open chain, deep knee flexion. Some you got butterfly hooks in, and you're trying to elevate the opponent. My fucking knees. And I wonder why these guys have sore knees. Like it's like tibia rotation and and deep knee flexion and and pushing. Yeah
0: there's awkward positions that they are learning to produce a lot of force in um yeah it's hanging out on ligaments and stuff like it is it is tough on the body it definitely is which is why i've actually been one of the reasons i play tennis as well now because it's like the complete opposite it's 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 such a gate it's such a nice rotational kind of change of direction expansive activity so yeah i i the thing with jiu-jitsu is as well, it's it's hard to improve quickly because you can't do that much of it when you're new. You can, you definitely can do a lot of it. But like with tennis, I can go out and hit the ball against the wall for half an hour and I I get so many little reps in. But with jujitsu I have to have another body to do that with. So that's and it's it. contact. It's and that's what thing. people it's context yeah. yeah. you can't you can't smash yourself early on you and know? that's what
1: people say like when you have when you're drilling this is what I say you, you've got combat sports in it's force going against force and, and that's how you learn the sport and that's why there's a, obviously a lot of musculoskeletal issues with with the with grappling scrambles and things like that um, you just can't you can't avoid it and you do need a training partner and that's why it's different mm-hmm. when you look at the strength and conditioning approach. It's more therapeutic. We need these guys. We need yeah. to counteract what the, what they've done to their body in, from the sport and give them what they're not getting to make them feel good so they can go out and, and continue to do their sport.
0: 100%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, 100%. That's where mid stance comes in. <laughs> Get your IR back. Uh, load those tissues. Um, how has your move been? So you moved from Sydney to Queensland. Yes,
1: yes. so moved to Queensland. Um, I wasn't meant to come up this far. So the original arrangement was we we bought a gym um, as an investment. We bought a small commercial space. We turned it into a gym uh, in, in Sydney. Sydney. Yep, and we had we done that about a year ago. Just over a year ago now. And my wife and I got sick of Sydney just the traffic. It's not really a great place to raise a child, um, you know.
0: You need a lot of money.
1: Not yeah, you need money, but it's more just the traffic, the the pollution, the lifestyle. It, it just didn't suit where we, you know, what our values and things like that. So, my wife moved up to the Gold Coast, and I was doing fly in, fly out every week. That got pretty taxing and and wore on me real fast, especially flying with Jetstar, Mm -hmm. the shittest airline in Australia. (laughs) I had a a four-hour delay on one flight where I didn't, you know, I was getting into Sydney at midnight and then starting PT, you know, at 6 a.m. the next morning. It was just a nightmare. Um, So it was affecting my son. Uh, My son was definitely having a hard time, me not being there. And as soon as I saw the effects on him, so I did this for about three months. That week I wrapped up PT and and drove up. I um, mm-hmm. I know you're about to be a dad soon, and congratulations. That's um, feel- it's going to be. I know you don't feel like to like. I know what it's like. You're probably like, uh, when the baby's here, I'll I'll feel like it's real. Right now, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mm-hmm. first year, you're going to feel like um pretty useless. Um, you know because. <laughs> They need their mothers and stuff like that, but when they hit around two or three, mate, it's it's it'll be the best thing you've ever done.
0: That's that's, that's
1: yeah. time to come in because they want you. will start wanting you, and they'll be like, you know, hanging off you. And it's amazing, man what you what they um, how fast they learn. And you look at their, I oh, look at the way he moves. He's definitely a wide ISA. You can you can see the way his big rib cage and feet are turned out, and yeah, it's I'm it's amazing
0: um so have you have you plans to open a gym up there
1: i i thought i wasn't going to we set up a garage we've got a double car garage i'm starting pt next week out of it i'm just taking on only taking on three or four sessions because of the workload online um i really want to devote more time to that Uh, i thought i wasn't going to open a gym in queensland so i've got that itch again I want my own space, and I want to have my own gym. So, mm-hmm. once I rent out the space in Sydney, I'll I'll be able to set something up here in Queensland.
0: Hmm. Um. Tell me about what you're telling me, if you want, before we started the recording. What's the What's the long term plan, finance wise?
1: Buy as many commercial properties as possible. Why? I just think the rental yields too good, um, and with the way things are going with, I'll tell you why. It's a lot more affordable to buy a commercial property as it is to buy a house. And if you, like where we are, the house is $2 million. Interest rates are now close to 7%. You're going to be paying $140,000 in interest alone. I don't want to be locked into a 30-year mortgage. I want to buy something that I could pay off in, in five years, positive gear that and live off the rental yield um, long-term with that. And mm-hmm. the stock market right now with the way the world's going is quite scary and some of our – don't want to get into too much detail, but some money is tied up in in some private equity that we can't pull out um, that could potentially pay off um, the current gym that we have to, to positive cash flow and new space. Um, so yeah, that's, I always think like, one thing my dad always taught me, I don't know how how true this is, depending on how good your job is, but you won't get rich off your wage. And that's, it depends on, you know, if you sell 5 million copies of one program, maybe, but (laughs) it's, um, that's (laughs) the plan. (laughs) Yeah, So, you know, I, um. When I worked in the finance sector, like obviously as a PT in um, the CBD, I learned a lot. I learned a shit ton um, of these guys in mm-hmm. finance, and I picked their brain. I was really interested in in certain things, and um, now it's all about movement and, and sports performance. So that's kind of shifted. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I really do enjoy, and if I wasn't – I couldn't see myself doing any other job but being a coach, but if I had to, I would like to get into using my hands. Like I'd like to be able to build things and, and, um, you know, develop, um, construction sites and things like that.
0: Can you do that? Are you good with your
1: hands? Well, before I was a coach, I'm a licensed steel fixer and concreter. So (laughs) I've got a concreting background. Um, well I left school at a very young age and I went from job to job and I went from mm-hmm. a, a builder's apprenticeship to a plumbing apprenticeship to, to then joining the army. And and that's where I fell in love with um, the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: I'd love to be able to, I, I'm terrible. I, I'm terrible with my hands with all that stuff because, and because my dad told me when I was young that I was terrible with my hands and I needed to use my brain in school. Um, because I would be useless getting a job like that but actually I'm terrible because he told me that and he's he's a very like supportive person in every single thing I do but he told me that um and I think it was at the time in Ireland people were looking down on trades and like going to college and getting a job in an office was the big thing and it's completely flipped again now where like I know so many people that are carpenters and, and builders rich. and plumbers and they're fucking yep. minted. Uh, exactly. What- so it's completely flipped. I would never say that to my son now, like, or my daughter now. I would never say that, you like, you have to go to college and get a job. There's so many ways Definitely. to do things. That's
1: like the BPS model. <laughs> you got to be careful what you say to your kids. <laughs> Exactly. Cover, my dad exactly. said the same to me. He goes, "How many rich concreteers do you see out there that that have healthy spines?" And Dave, I kid you not, man, you would be you would be very rich being a physio for these guys. You'd see sixty year old Italian men on there cannot stand up straight. Their hip mm-hmm. is like locked into this massive mm-hmm. lateral shift, and they can barely bend over, but they're still on the fucking job site. And it, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely look at it now. All my friends that I went to school with that uh, are now builders, um, plumbers, electricians, they're rich, like filthy rich. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey guys, just a super quick break from the show. I just wanted to tell you that for our foot, ankle and Achilles program, we actually just added a bonus section to it. So there's already four phases worth of foot and lower leg training. It shows you the exact step-by-step system that I use with all my lower leg and foot clients. And then we had a couple of people asking a little bit around big toe stuff about improving flexion extension and strength around the big toe and the forefoot in general. So I added in a bonus big toe awakening sequence there as well. So for those of you who've already bought it, the 3000 almost now, you'll see that bonus at the, sta- uh, sorry, at the end of the whole program. So there's the education, the four phases, uh, the plyometric work, and then you'll see the bonus at the bottom. For those of you who haven't got it yet, same for you. So make sure you jump on it. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes and you won't regret it. It's been our most popular by a, by a mile program so far, and I absolutely am very proud of it. So check out the foot, ankle, and Achilles program in the show notes you just if you're if you're smart you see if you're smart like obviously you start doing that and then you hire other lads to help you and you you're not you're not on the site 24 7 yourself so um just like this industry where hopefully you can build something else that's not just you do you ever plan on hiring anyone else which are yeah definitely
1: i um i'm planning to run a workshop I've um, got a few things in the pipework at the moment now. Um, I've hired someone to take care of the podcasts. that they do my reels, they upload it to Spotify, they do the timestamps because I'm terrible with technology. And Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I struggle with in my business is I have everything that I want up in my head. I can write it down, I can type it out, but integrating it into learning new systems of software, like, Conjavi, uh, you know, Thinker, uh, whatever it is, uh, Teachable and all that kind of stuff. It just fucking, like, it kills me. It kills my drive and I don't have the time for it because I've got to get back to clients. I've got to, I've got yeah. to put together content and, and run a business. And that's where I'm really struggling at the moment. And I don't yeah. know if that is possible to to pay someone to – it's your work, but I'll be like, I'll be talking. I go, you type this in here, and, and then we can, we can get it going. Like that's kind of what I need. I need help mm-hmm. with the admin side of things.
0: You'd be surprised that you could get a like an intern, a paid intern, or something there with you, no problem to start to. Someone that's interested in SNC, um, or is studying snc or something like that or someone that is interested in very interested in combat sports and is training a lot and needs to make some money on the side and they could come in with you two three days a week and edit stuff do admin I would say there'd be a ton of people, but you probably just need to build your network up there yeah. the first probably. Um,
1: yeah, Queensland's a little bit different to Sydney. As in, I, I grew up in Sydney, and there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. As obviously, the population is a lot higher in Sydney. Um, a lot more dis- yeah. disposable income as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that'd be good. Where uh, where can people find you, Steve, if they want to check um, you out?
1: Coach underscore. Stephen underscore Sayoun on Instagram. Um, you can check me out there. That how do you spell Sayun?
0: S a h y o u n. Where's that name so from? My
1: dad's uh, Middle Eastern background, Lebanese, and mum's from Slovenia. Okay. Mm, oh, a bit of a mix. <laughs> <Cool>. mm-hmm,
0: definitely <laughs> yeah. a mix. Uh, yeah. Instagram and anything um, else.
1: You can also find me. Uh, pretty much, Instagrams are my main source. I'm not on Twitter. Um, Yeah, it's pretty much Instagram or you can check out my website, you know, psccoaching.com.au.
0: Cool. Any programs or stuff that you're selling or what what products are available?
1: I've got uh, Build the Basics 101 at the moment now. So this is a good entry-level strength and conditioning program um, for anyone who's new and wants to learn some good sound principles and um, have a flexible training approach into uh, just their lifestyle. (coughs) And I've got Combat Sports Performance, uh, which I've just rebranded from Grappling Sports Performance, and
0: mm, it is idea.
1: now um, a good GPP program for, for any combat sport athlete that wants to just enhance, you know, multiple physical qualities to be better at their sport. That is a subscription model. Um, I'm going to be running a special over Christmas is 99 Australian dollars per month at the moment now but we're going to probably be running that um, a small little um a small little price decrease over christmas just to to get more people in the door.
0: And how many copies of uh, builder basics have we sold now
1: but <laughs> not 4 oh, nice. not 4000
0: <laughs> 20000 <000. laughs>
1: 20, that's your my gosh. Wow. <laughs> You're a rich man, though. Yep. <laughs>
0: Nah fucking
1: mate, that is something we spent a lot of is, money. But do you know what, mate? That is a fucking you should be celebrating and, and celebrate that win. I'm sure you already are, but you know, that mm-hmm. is that is insane. And that is and that is well yeah. deserved.
0: Right? You've that is you know what? When I say twenty thousand, I've said this before, but like I think about the amount of people though, because like one SNC coach in some of the biggest sports performance sports organization sports teams in the world like one ssc coach has bought it and they use it with all of their athletes so it's spread much far further than that than that twenty thousand. and some people laugh at me because they say like you could have made so much more money but actually i look at it in a positive way which is like it's just cool that it has spread a lot more than even the people that have bought. I think you know? you've
1: done really well, mate. And you can see there's a lot of people that are like, I, I see it now there's people copying. I wouldn't say maybe they are, but it's exact same work. The exact same work, <laughs> the same fucking, you know, foam roller, hill raise ISO holds. Like it's, it's the same shit. And it's like, I would feel very uncomfortable, um, you know being in the physio space and replicating someone's work word for word, like and just identical look and everything like that. Um, I've had it done to me, not done to me, sorry. I've had it like I've experienced that in the past, not to your level and extent. And if at the end of the day is like that person's not me, then. I guarantee you, if we both coach the same athlete, we would get two different outcomes. Um, mm-hmm. And it is frustrating though because you you know you put your whole life into learning these skills, and and then someone comes in and can kind of just you know mimic what you're doing um, and make money mm-hmm. off it.
0: Yeah, I, I I it 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 annoys me a little bit with the people who. People who are using it with their clients, great, like absolutely. But there is, there is about three people in particular in the industry who are basically teaching our whole stuff as in their courses, like not, not using it with their clients. They're using it to educate their coaches and therapists, and they don't ever credit us for it. And the biggest issue with it is for me, it's not that they're even teaching it and not that they're not crediting it, but people do recognize where it's come from. And then those people say to me, well, I've already learned your stuff from this wow. person. So why would I come and learn from you? And actually the problem is you've learned it from someone who's made it much worse. It's shit, it's far shitter. Like you you, you notice, hopefully other people who've come to a workshop notice, what you see online and then the, the, some of the details you start to pick up in a workshop are, it is different. It is, it is far different. So I try really try not to let it get to me. And for the most part, I realize that you just don't get your, you don't really get your flowers in this industry, as in like all of this work is going to be out there. Someday I'm going to be gone. And I've learned from great people as well, but I do try and always mention them and credit them and but someday I'm going to be gone some maybe someday soon maybe someday not so soon I'm not going to be in the industry no one will ever remember me or what I did um are you or anyone else pretty much like if you think back of all the great coaches in the past that shaped the industry like how often do we really think about them almost Mm -hmm. never and those are names that I'm not going to have a name like they're they'll have no one will ever remember me so I try and like just Forecast that into the future and just think about that now, which is like no one will remember me when I'm gone. So, what I will and I won't care then. So, why should I even care now? You know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? I know, I
1: know what you mean. That's that's kind of that that's heavy, Dave. That's that's heavy. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, it is. It's like if you look at it, right, it's like well, Charles Poliquin's passed, you know, Louis Simmons has passed, mm-hmm. and and people are slagging the shit out of Charles Poliquin
0: exactly exactly exactly
1: man poor bloke like as in you know he did do some good things in the industry and
0: of course but he doesn't have a chance he can't defend himself now so people just take the bad shit that he did you know so that's going to happen to me that's going to happen to you it's going to happen to everyone else Or or like either that a mix of that or you and you just get forgotten about so i tried to think about that and think about that now as in like fuck it like when you're gone you're gone no one's going to give a shit about you so that's i'll just try and do the best i can
1: invest your money dave i'm gonna (laughs) be i'm gonna turn into like a steve Sayun enterprises of investments
0: financial advisor come to me Um, (laughs) (laughs) no it's true like in this industry especially when you're an online coach that's why i'm careful with my like with my spending and stuff i don't drive fancy car or anything like that because I do realize that I could wake up tomorrow and it could all be gone. Now, not all be gone, but like a lot of it could be gone. One know, thing, so.
1: one thing that scared the shit out of me was like, I got uh, this message on Instagram. It said that your account's going to be closed down in 24 hours if you don't. If uh, you've been reported, and I fell for it. I fell for this fucking. Oh. I looked at it and I was like, "What the fuck."
0: You Mate, panicked. Five
1: yeah. hours out of my day, I had to keep changing my password over and authenticating it. Oh. And um, I was like, "Babe, it's it's gone. My business is gone." And and that's why I started a second Instagram page, um, Combat Sports Performance, because it's just a little mm-hmm. backup there, just in case. Because yeah, you do realize, like ninety percent of your your business comes from from one stream, which is Instagram. And mm-hmm. it can be taken away from you. Like
0: mm-hmm. we got hacked the other our um, No, we didn't get hacked, but our, our, our uh, website guy got hacked and he is on our Facebook ads manager as a person there um, as a user or whatever way they put it there. So anyone that he was with associated with on their Facebook ads they this these hacks set up ads on on his on our pay on our business page so that so people were getting ads from us selling slippers and sending them to a website to buy slippers so they set up an ad and it was running for two days without us knowing and that ad they spent 1300 euro money on us of my money uh but they had it set to spend 30,000 euro a day fuck but as a maximum limit i think facebook only lets you go to that amount or whatever or you have to prove that you're a big account before you can go so the maximum limit that they they could set and did set was 30,000 but anyone who runs ads knows that facebook will only use a certain amount because of, of like how uh, yeah they just figure out how much to show the ad to people so that yeah so they spent 1300 and it could have been thirty thousand. and i think it was running for like two and a half days so they could have spent 60 grand on us let's say so Shit. yeah so i only found that out yesterday Did literally yesterday i found it? out well there so it's, i think as far as i know they are out of the account um the ad is obviously stopped and all that stuff the thing is with facebook and we've been told that we will get a refund now i don't know for sure but actually like they were i was talking to our our, our website guy and he was on about uh oh you'll get the money back like he was kind of panicking like I, I'm facebook will make sure they refund you. i was like hang on i don't give a shit about the money right now just tell me that they're out of the account and like we're not going to get blocked and all this for running scam ads you yeah. know i was like I can f- worry about the money later. Can you make sure our business is not going to fucking explode right yeah. now? So, yeah. So, shit like that. I'm always thinking. Not always thinking, but I'm not as paranoid as I was, but I used to be very paranoid about Fuck. it. Fuck.
1: And then now you've got a little one on the way. Mm-hmm. You've got to – you definitely have to tighten up expenses. Look, I'll be honest. The same as mm-hmm. you, even in the PT industry in the city, I was into flash cars. I'd spend money on cars. i fucking waste money there. Now, I – I don't like. I'm a minimalist. I don't buy new clothes as if I don't need to. And you know, I only thing I spend my money on is good food. That's it. And and obviously upskilling yeah. myself with my job and where I see value in that. And that's that's about it.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. That's that's you have to live your life. But like, yeah, when you start to I read books like Millionaire Next Door and different things like this and. There's good books out there. There's good education out there. And you just start to realize that. I, th- I would love to have a really nice car. I did have a really nice car when lower body basics started going well, but then I had to sell it to pay for the wedding. <laughs> and then I bought it. <laughs> and then I bought a shit car. or uh, An what okay car. Have, so car? Tell us. I have a what Ford Focus, but I I had a nice, a really nice BMW Ooh. four series and I went in, I went in and I bought it with cash, like Ooh, I bought shit. it, not with cash. As in, not with, not yeah, with. I, stri- I paid with a bank transfer that day because we don't get yeah. cash, unfortunately. Because all who's online. A so deal
1: walking in, slapping notes on the table.
0: <laughs> yeah, not with a not with a bag of cash, but we did the bank transfer because the guy was like, "Are you sure you don't want to just finance it? Like, why would you spend the Fuck money no. that's in your account?" And I was like, "I have this amount of money to buy the car, <laughs> and I bought it, and then." A year later, because my dad has always been like, don't use debt, yes. don't use debt. And now I realize, no, debt is not a bad thing at all. Mm. Well, it depends. You, know? you, don't
1: want, you don't want to use, um, well, you kind of want to use debt on a depreciating asset. You don't want to use it on, an, a, well, let's say property goes up in value, you want to pay it off as fast as possible. If you've got a car that's going down in value, you probably don't want to pay it off as fast as possible.
0: Mm, I think it just it's, it depends on the interest rates and all that shit. Like so, yeah, I fucking so yeah, I made a mistake with that. i Definitely made a mistake with that. But actually, people say that like people say a few things. They say money doesn't make you happy, or being a millionaire won't make you happy. But I want to find that out for myself. <laughs> I don't want to rely on other people to let me know that. I need to let I need to know for well, myself, where, and then I I'm can pretty decide.
1: Pretty sure it would make a lot of people happy. And 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 look, and let's be honest, I. I love money. I like money. And any coach out there that says they don't do it for the money, they're fucking lying. And I'm, I'm not like, <laughs> I love my job, but I also want to see. Me- you have to get have rewarded. To get rewarded. I've, I've, you know, I pour my heart and soul into this, but, you know, I know that you're not going to get the return that you always want, but at least there's some return coming in for, for the work that you're putting out there.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, we need to have another money Thanks. episode or just a chat <laughs> But uh. <All laughs> Okay, right. Steve, thank you, man. Really appreciate you coming on. You're Thanks, killing so it. You. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks for having me on.